1: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. We want to start like we uh, usually do here and thank each and every one of our subscribers for helping us out here and keeping this show afloat and uh, just being incredible. You guys are the best. We have we might not have the most listeners, actually. We definitely don't have the most listeners, but uh, we definitely have a loyal crew, and we are greatly appreciative. Appreciative of each and every one of you, so thank you guys, definitely. Um, as you know, I'm Tyler, and here with me on the other end of the line back today is my co-host Curtis, and as most of you are aware, we had our first scrimmage of the spring last Saturday. Uh, we wanted to, you know, we were going to talk about this on Monday or Tuesday show, but we also had some big baseball news to cover, so we kind of put this off a couple of days into the week here, but uh, we had the scrimmage Saturday. You know, of course, it was closed to the public, you had family and Alumni, there there were people there. I actually got to go to um, go to the scrimmage two years ago when Fromm was a, a here in the spring as a true freshman. Um, but haven't been able to finagle my way back in since then. So I don't have any firsthand information to talk of. Just some information here and there that I've been able to kind of pick up from various sources. But uh, we did do some situational stuff, like Kirby is a uh, very he's big time on situational stuff, which I which I love. I think that's his attention to detail coming out there. But then we did do some true scrimmage stuff as well, with the ones vs. twos, three vs. threes, and then we even did some one vs. ones at the end there to close it out a little bit. And uh, as he usually does, Coach Kirby Smart met with the media following the scrimmage to update us on what happened out there on the field. Uh, now he doesn't give us the very unofficial stats that Mark Rick used to give us. Um, you remember all that Kurt, when Rick would come out and like give us all these like just like random stats and you know, like is that real? Yeah. And, and actually, I I have to be honest, like it was totally unofficial and probably completely inaccurate. But I was one of the people that ate that stuff up. It's just it's information. We crave information right at this time of year. And we don't really know what's going on. We don't get to see practice on a regular basis. So we all used to make at least me. I will not throw everyone in that boat, but at least I used to make way too big of a deal over. A lot of us did. But uh, as is Kirby style, he was still even though without the stats, he was very transparent about what he saw out there. And in the process, as again he is usually in the process of doing, may have sent more than a few messages to uh, some of his players and fans out there. Uh, So today we're going to report on and then give our take on what Kirby had to say Saturday afternoon after the first scrimmage of the spring. Before we do though, I do just want to remind everyone out there that is not subscribed to all of our premium content on Podbean, that you can go ahead and give it a chance today for only $2 a month. You'll get access to all of our content that we have throughout the entire year the obviously the season the off season we talk football first and foremost as always our primary focus but we do also talk other georgia sports as well so if you want any access to uh, our basketball talk baseball talk even georgia tennis talk and of course all the football coverage you could ever possibly imagine uh, you can subscribe to us on Podbean. Again, for only $2 a month, all you got to do is go to our Podbean page. You can access that by going to Podbean and just searching for Glory UGA. Or if you are on Twitter, you can go to our Twitter page, which is at Glory underscore UGA. Click on the little profile link there. It'll take you straight to our page. Uh, you just click on the little yellow Buy Now button there on the right side if you're on a PC. It'll be down at down the bottom. It'll be there at the bottom of the page if you're on a mobile device. You can just click on that little button, and then you type in all your information. Uh, You don't have to have an an account for Podbean. It's an entirely seamless process. It's very, very easy. They'll create your account for you and just kind of give you that information. The whole process takes about a minute or two, depending on how fast you can just type in your information. So uh, if you like the show and you enjoy what you hear uh, hear on our podcast, uh, we'd love for you guys to give it a chance and get access to everything. It would definitely help us out. But enough of that, and let's go ahead and get into the fun stuff today. And we're going to start off with a player that, oddly enough, like we haven't really talked about, I don't think at all, Kerr. Have we talked about Jake Fromm? Not much at all. No. Yeah, I think maybe like the preseason primers we did, but since practice has started the past couple of weeks, I don't think we've brought him up at all. And that's that's kind of odd. You think with with him playing a key position that gets so much attention, like quarterback, and also the fact, obviously, of me being the president of his fan club, guilty as charged, um, you would thought that – he would have been someone that we would have been talking quite a bit about. But that just hasn't been the case for whatever reason. I don't even know why. It just I guess he hasn't really gotten brought up with Kirby's press conferences. So that we haven't really been mentioning when are these in these reports. So when Kirby was asked about how the offense is operating with a veteran under center like Jake Fromm, he had this to say.
0: I mean, he understands things, and, and it's, it, it, there's probably times that he has to be careful that he doesn't get uh, bored um, because I know defensively he knows every call we got. He hears the call. He's already got his call. He knows what the next step is from getting their call and our call half the time. But that's part of growth. And that's part of him in kind of implementing his leadership to our offense to use the experience he has to say, you know what, we're not executing well. We're not – we went three and out against the two defense. Well, that's not who we are. And I think you see him assert himself more um, as he's gotten more and more comfortable with it. And he's done some good things with the ball. he got to make good decisions with the ball, which he's done thus far.
1: So, Kirk. Kurt- Jay Fromm is entering his third year as a starter. I mean, for all practical purposes, this will be his third year as a starter. I know he didn't start the first game of the year against Appalachian State in 2017, but he came in very early in that game and has been our starter since that point. Now, you know, obviously, we had Justin Fields get some time last year, but Fromm was still always the guy. And that, outside of maybe the LSU game, was never really in doubt. And now he is completely solidified as a starter, right? Yeah. I mean, there's zero question about that right now with – what we have behind him, Stetson might be a solid backup, but he is certainly not going to be Jake Fromm. So uh, now that he's entering his third year, this is a year I mean, you always see a guy take a big step between his first and second year, and that second and third year can also be a massive step forward for a guy who's got two years of starting experience under his belt, playing in big time games like Jake Fromm. So my my one question for you, Curtis, and and like, look, this is a Georgia podcast, obviously, but when you always when you talk about Jake Fromm, a lot of times. Tua Tonga Alabama gets brought into conversation because obviously you know we're we've been the top team in the East past couple years. They've been obviously the top team in the in the West for quite a while now. Uh, they both play the same position. They're in the same class, so on and so forth, right? Uh, and there's some history that we played Alabama. Tua, you know, we all know the history there. I don't want to go in that because it's painful, but we all know the history there. So from Curtis now as a junior, he was not. He, the the stat monster that Tua Tungavailoa was last year. Tua was a beast. There's no doubt about it. I'm not trying to degrade him in any way. He was a, a he was incredible. He's a rock star out there. But in this third year as a starter, Curtis, can Jake Fromm be as efficient as Tua Tungavailoa is in two
2: thousand nineteen? Um, I don't think so.
1: Alright, why not? I think one of the
2: main reasons that really changes everything is you have to look at Alabama's receiving core.
1: That that is a major factor. You're right. He's not. We're not. I mean, we've got good tools at a receiver, but it's not Alabama level tools at receiver right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, any given year right now, especially you know what the, the core they have, they have could have potential, multiple potential first rounds. You know, guys that are a lot of guys are going to go in the first couple rounds. Um, guys that get open very easily, he can just throw the ball up and they're going to go get it.
1: Yeah, I mean, Jerry Judy is absurd. And then you got Waddle. You I mean you've got Devontae Smith. I mean you've got some dudes over there. Now we've got, got some guys Ruggs, too. I mean, you got Rugs. I mean that's four guys right there that could literally start for anybody in the league, like anybody in the league. And not and, and to put
2: that with Irv Smith also is potentially a first round pick also. So I mean they they had he had a like that's I think that's one of the big differences. I mean you see it. Like when guys go from college to pros, you know they have they don't have they have tighter windows, and I think that's one of the big things. Tua is very accurate, yes, but when you get a time to throw like he does, and then
1: you have the receiving core he does, it makes it a lot easier to do your thing. I will also say this: um, Look, Jake has had his moments where he was terrible too. Like you know, any quarterback when they play elite competition, elite defenses, you're going to have some bumps in the road. It's going to happen. Jake had against LSU, we saw that, right? I mean, that happened. Um, and I, I'm not making any excuse for that. That was a terrible performance. I've said that many times. It, it's just, it can't happen. Um, but that was just a sophomore quarterback. Um, but Tua, I mean, look, yeah, did Tua run rampant through the SEC for most last year? Of course he did. I mean, he, again, he was incredible. I'm not trying to dog him really at all here. But I do want to, like, put this in context. When Tua played elite defense, or anything, a bordering elite defense, he had some struggles, did he not? He did. I mean, look, look at what he did against us. We, if Tua, honestly, it's crazy to say this, but if Tua Tomavailoa did not get hurt in that SEC title game, do we win that game? More likely. I mean, we, I mean, and even the players have said this, DeAndre Walker talked about this. Uh, I've heard a couple different players. Uh, I think DeAndre Baker said something about this, but we, like, we game plan for Tua. Like, we didn't think that Hurts was going, because Hurts hadn't played in a while, because I know they had the two quarterbacks, but Hurts had had that surgery, right, on his ankle. Uh, and been out for a while, so we kind of, from what I understand, basically game plan for Tua, and it was a hell of a game plan. I mean, we we shut him down like no one has shut him down all year. Now he had a little bit of an injury himself, sure, but like still, if he if he doesn't get hurt and you don't have a fresh quarterback coming who ha- who ha- had not really prepared for because again, one's a lefty, one's a righty, it's a different it's a different animal uh, with the pressures you call and so on and so forth. We might have won that game, and then you go look at what he did against Clemson. Now, I know Clemson it was against Clemson, they got behind. He did make some plays. But he also made some horrible mistakes in that game, did he not? He did. I mean, that pick six early in the game, I and mean, that was a killer in that in a game like that. So uh, I know he carved up most of the SEC for most of the year. But let's be real. I mean, a lot of the defenses he was playing were not particularly great. I mean, Missouri, not that good. Tennessee, not that good. Auburn was okay. Um, and he was okay. He was pretty good against Auburn. In the first half, he wasn't all that good. LSU, he was he was lights out. He was really good. I and mean, LSU's got a great defense. That was, game was good. Like, two is incredible, but he's human also. Uh, and Jake's human. I mean, I'm not saying the answer is probably. Let me ask you this is the fact that we have a new offensive coordinator this year with James Coley his run better to even than what we've had under Jim Chaney. Do you think the new coordinator and potential play calling changes from what we've had the first two years of Fromm as our starter with Jim Chaney, do you think that could potentially allow Fromm to post similar numbers or comparable numbers to Tunga Vailoa?
2: It could, you know, we know what, I mean, Coley's done in the past, but, you know, it's still a big toss-up to how he's learned and what he's changed.
1: Yeah, and, like, this is tough for me to answer uh, this question because I think we're going to find out pretty early this year how much of what our offense looked like the past couple years was what Jim Cheney once looked like or how much of it is what he was doing what Kirby wanted to do, you know? Yeah. Because if we run the ball as much as we have the past couple years with a new offensive coordinator, a guy who's basically had very close to 50-50 splits when he was calling plays at Miami, that right there tells me that Kirby Smart has his fingerprints all over his office. Now, he's not calling plays, not an offensive guy, but the, if that's what happens throughout the first half of this year, it's pretty clear that he's given a directive that he wants us to run the football. Um, and it, and that's a very real possibility. So, again, I, until, I believe, until I see it, I can't believe that Fromm is going to put up the n- passing yardage numbers at Valoa. But when you talk about efficiency, when you talk about QBR, quarterback rating, completion percentage yards per attempt, all that kind of stuff. I do want to say this. Now, Fromm was not quite where Tungbailoa was last year in those numbers. But he was not far off. Uh in, in total QBR last year, uh, which I think is a much better much more accurate rating of what a quarterback does than, than the old quarterback rating. Uh Fromm was third, Tugungvaloa was second. He was right there. Now there was a bit of a gap there. Tongavailoa's QBR was ninety three, Fromm's was eighty five. So was it it wasn't necessarily as close it would see, as it would seem if it was 2-3. The numbers there was pretty far off. I think uh, Kyler Murray was at, 90, it was at 95 at number one. So it was much closer between 1-2 and two with, with Murray and Tungvaluwa than it was 2-3 and three with Tungvaluwa and Fromm. But still, Jake was not that far off. Out of all the quarterbacks in the country, he was number three behind the Heisman Trophy winner and the Heisman Trophy runner-up. That's pretty freaking good. Um, last year in completion percentage, uh, Tungvaluwa was fifth nationally at 69%. From was 11th nationally at 67%, so 2% difference there. I think there's a very realistic possibility with a new coordinator who might give him some easier passes. I mean, think about all the times that Vailoa threw a lot of screen passes last year to all those running backs. A lot of those were easy throws where we were throwing the ball down the field. Not that Vailoa was not throwing the ball down the field. He did throw the ball down the field. But we didn't give Fromm a lot of easy throws to give him to a rhythm that Vailoa did get at times. So I think Fromm could certainly – I mean, I think he could equal the, the completion percentage numbers, right? I mean, that, that is that fair? Like he could equal those numbers? I would say that's a pair. Yeah. Now the the other area here is yards per attempt. Now this is where Tonga Bailoa was elite. I mean, he was second in the country in yards per attempt, eleven point two yards per attempt. That's crazy. From was top ten himself. He was ninth nationally with nine yards per attempt, and he was actually higher than that before the uh, the Sugar Bowl, which obviously put his numbers on quite a bit because that was another not so great performance by Jake or really the offense in general. So like there, From was not as. I know people don't want to hear this. Because especially some people who are the, the Justin Fields fan base, I get it. It's cool. He's a talented player, um, but Fromm put up elite numbers last year, guys. I mean, that's, I mean, those are I mean top three in QBR, top eleven in completion percentage, uh, and top ten in yards per attempt. Those are elite quarterback numbers. Now I know some people can't get the the image of the LSU game out of their head, and I understand that it was a bad performance. But Fromm was not that far off. Um, I think in some of the areas he can be as efficient as Tua this year. I think he can be as efficient in completion percentage. QBR, if his completion percentage goes up, he could get closer there. I don't know if I'm ready to say he's going to be the equal of Tua in that regard. Uh, Yards per attempt, uh, if you look at what... James Coley did as an offensive coordinator at Miami, he pushed the ball down the field vertically. And I think we're going to, I think From might have some more opportunities to do that this year. Now he's going to have to show a little bit more consistency on the deep ball accuracy, but I think he's going to have some opportunities. I think he can push closer to 10 yards per time. Again, maybe not quite what Tua's at because he doesn't have the receivers Tua has. And he's not, like, I, I he's not as athletically gifted as Tua. Let's just be honest there. He's not quite that, but Fromm is a great quarterback in his own right. And uh, I think he's going to have a big time junior season. And if we, God willing, get in that title game again and find ourselves in the playoff, Jake Fromm is going to be a massive reason why that's the case. Uh, but all right, let's go ahead and move on here to the next one. Uh, now, last week, we discussed special special teams to close out the show. We're moving up a little bit here today, uh, but we focused that conversation on Jake Kamarda and his potential future as a punter slash kicker, uh, pulling double duty. Now, on Saturday, Kirby was again asked about special teams, but this time... He took the conversation in a different direction, saying the following.
0: Well, I'm trying to get, find a returner. And there's one area that the a concerned today. It was probably judgment, making decisions, <laughs> catching the ball, securing the ball. So return game is probably the most vital when you say well, that was a strength last year. But it was a strength mainly because we had experience. So
1: Curtis, um, are you concerned about the punting situation? I uh, I'm sorry, have... the punt return and kick return situation, I should say?
2: So, because it took me Cole a while to take that position was Kirby just did not uh, trust him. Um, you saw how quick, at, especially at the beginning of the time when he was back there, that he would pull him for someone like Terry or someone that he yeah. trusted to at least just make the catch and make the right when decision. When it was a sky
1: punt situation, when you're trying exactly. to just get a fair so catch. I, yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing is, um, you know, a game can change
2: the momentum. Everything can change on a special team's if you catch. I mean, if you just make a mistake out there. And I think that right now, we, I mean, having an athlete is not the problem. But the problem is finding someone we trust to make the right decision, especially when the game's going and it's a crucial moment
1: in the game. I 100% agree. I think that's what Kirby was saying. He's like, the concern today was judgment, making decisions, catching the ball, securing the ball, all that stuff. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right. We have the athletes. I mean, look at how we've been recruiting. We have guys that can actually go out there and run the football and, and be dangerous as return men, but do we feel comfortable with them? And right now, I'm not sure the answer is yes. Kirby's still searching for that guy, as he said. Um, so who do you see as those potential options at kick and punt return?
2: Um, I think you have to look at Demetrius Robertson.
1: So you, you see him as a guy that could pull double duty as a kick and punt returner, or is he fit better in one or the other?
2: Uh, he'll probably be better as a kick returner in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I think you look at Kiaris Jackson.
1: Punt or kick? Um,
2: I think he might be a punt.
1: Well, and when we asked him, what's the difference for you, Kurt? When you look at a guy that going to be a kick returner or a punt returner, what is the difference? Like, what are you looking at when you're trying to determine where a guy would fit? A
2: punt, you want to be a quick twitch guy.
1: Yeah, um, make like you watch miss. Like, what McKenzie? Yeah, a make you miss type guy. Yeah, for sure. Because those guys are right on top of you when you catch the ball. And you got to make a miss. You got to make that first guy miss, unless it's just uh, a terrible okay. punt. And what about a kicker? What are you looking for there? A kicker, re- a kick returner. Uh,
2: that one you have more straight line speed because you have a little bit of time to build up what you
1: build yeah. up your speed. I think it's straight line speed and vision are the two primary traits you're looking for in a kick returner. Uh, whereas a pump returner, that you're right, that quick twitchiness, that make you miss ability, that lateral agility, that's what you're looking for there. That that kind of jitterbugness is what I how I would say it there. So I, you're right, Isaiah McKenzie was a perfect fit for that. And I always like miko was a good pump returner, but like I never thought miko was like like that jitterbug, like make you miss type guy. Like,
2: I no, because thought- he he. he- that's why he never truly broke that many because he yeah. just couldn't do it.
1: And he was fast enough so he would have some, some good returns, some really good returns. But in terms of like you know making a, that last guy miss here or there and taking it the distance, that necessarily wasn't that wasn't necessarily his game. Whereas McKenzie, I mean, I remember the game at Kentucky where he had I think he had a he had was a kick and a punt return. I believe it was so. a couple <laughs> years ago. I think He was a true freshman. I was sitting in the end zone and he, and he was running right at us both times. It was, it was awesome, it was incredible. We just blew them out that game. Um, but uh, yeah, like. I can see Kieris being – you said kick or punt? Uh,
2: probably punt for him.
1: Yeah, I could, that's what I was going to go with, punt as well. I can see him being a kick returner as well, but I think punt Yeah, I can mean, see
2: him being both. Yeah. Um, you also got to look at someone like, say, James Cook. Mm-hmm.
1: I, th- uh, I think Cook could be – I think he could be a guy on the punt return.
2: Yeah, he's a very quick twitch yeah. punt return
1: type guy. Yeah. What about uh, Brian Harrion?
2: Yeah. Because he's um, done it for before. Him, for him, I'd probably go with more kick return. I don't 100%. see him like, – 100%. He's not a quick twitch guy. Well, even then, he has terrible vision too.
1: It's his problem. But um... <laughs> yeah, but I think he, I mean he's been back there before. I think he's going to factor into the conversation. There's no doubt. Um, what about a guy who's not on campus right now, like Dominic Blaylock, who did that? At, 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 now he did in high school. It's a totally different level, of course. But he be a punk guy. Yeah, I think he. Yeah, because look, and, and Dom is. Uh, I'm very excited about Dom. I don't think Dom has elite straight line speed. No, I think he has good straight line speed. I don't think it's elite. Uh, from what I've seen and what I've uh, been talking to people that have been around. I've seen the guy play in person, talked to people around that program a little bit. Um, and uh, he's a great athlete, don't get me wrong. But not necessarily maybe an elite speed guy. But he is quick. He is that slot type guy. Uh, maybe not to an um, um, Isaiah McKenzie type level, but still a, a very good option there, there's no doubt. Uh, is there anybody we're missing? Who else might possibly fit in there? I, yeah, I don't know. so many athletes. I mean, it's typically think you receivers, DBs, running backs. mind the defense of backfield? I mean, I, I can't think of anybody that kind of fits that mold right now. Um, I'm sure there's some other guys out there. Uh, receiver, receiver, receiver. You mentioned D-Rob. What about Tyler Simmons? He's a guy that has some good straight-line speed now.
2: He would probably be a kick return guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's. I don't see him as a punt return. Honestly, for me right now, for punt return, I'm looking at Kieris and I'm looking at James Cook. I'm sure I'm probably missing somebody here. I, I think D-Rob can get some looks there. But again, I think D Rob is more of a straight line speed type guy. Not that he doesn't have good lateral agility. I think he's just a, more of an elite speed type guy, which I think would fit better as a kick returner. But if so, if you had to project right now, like who is the starting kick returner? I mean, I know we're a ways away from this, but if you're just having to predict right now, I guess D Rob. Yeah, I'm gonna go with D Rob or and Harian and, or and Herian. Herian, Yeah, those Herian's my other guy because um, I think he like he's been back. I mean, like Kirby likes him in that spot. He's been back there and done it before. Uh, in games, so I think he's certainly going to be a big factor in the conversation. And D Rob is just a guy that naturally you look at what he brings to the table. And he a, I think he returned a couple kicks for us last year. Got put back there a time or two when we were in blowout situations, um, but I think he has the ability to do that. So I think those are probably the two in kick and then in pun. Is it safe to say? I mean, I, I'm I'm saying Kier or James Cook. I could probably be wrong there. Are you going? Is there anyone else you think? No. All right, so it'll be inter- interesting to see how that plays out. And again, I-, I, wanted to- I wanted to bring special teams. I know it's not as sexy of a conversation as offense or defense, but I-, I feel like we forget about it too much, and it's such a critical part of what any elite team does. You've got to be v- not just good but very good in special teams. So definitely got to make sure we find a guy or a couple guys that, can, that we feel comfortable with returning kicks and punts. But uh, next up, Kirby was also asked about how their running backs have looked during the spring and responded with this.
0: Good. I mean, we haven't done anything live till today, so today was their first chance. And early on in the scrimmage, there weren't a lot of places to go. It was tough sledding out there because defense was playing really well. Um, they they were they were once again probably bigger weapons out of the backfield in the air than just run game. We had some nice runs, but to be honest with you, the, the most explosive plays by the backs came by, you know, Brian Herring catching the ball of the backfield and the linebacker bust. Boom, 30 yards. Swift catching a check down, making a guy miss. The things you guys have seen them do, it was not an overpowering run game like you might expect. Uh,
1: now, Kurt, we talked about the running backs a little bit this spring individually, but I want I want to talk about the running game as a whole right now. Um, so I'm going to throw some numbers at you. Uh, in 2017, the year we made the trip to the national title game, uh, we rushed for an to 258 yards a game. That is elite stuff, top 20 stuff. Last year, not quite as good, but not that far of a drop-off, considering you lose two... Uh, I mean, not, I guess not first round draft picks, but two starting running backs. Two guys that are starting now in the NFL. So we averaged 238 yards a game rushing last year. So, Kurt, those are great numbers, both top 20 each year. How close to those numbers, 258 and 238, how close to those numbers will we come this year with the group of running backs? And of course, you cannot forget the offensive line. That's a big factor in any run game, of course. Uh, but how how close do we come with the group of running backs and offensive linemen that we have in 2019? How close I, mean, we I think
2: we'll be closer to the 238 range because we don't really have a truly defined number two guy quite yet. And I think at the same time, uh, Coley is going to want to try to put the game in Fromm's hands as much as possible because I think they'll trust him more than they do. Do while you
1: really think we're going to throw the ball more? Because like, I, I, I thought mean, we I would come in the last. I really play thought play with the with a veteran quarterback for the first time in Kirby Smart's era, a, guy, a returning starter at quarterback, we would throw the ball more last year. But we really. It, it, it was marginal. It was a marginal increase, at if any at all, in throwing the football last year. So, do you really believe that's going to happen this year in year three of of Jake Fromm's tenure?
2: I think you're going to try to go towards that route because I think if Kirby was smart and watched the Alabama Clemson game, you saw what it takes to beat a team like that. You're going to have to throw the ball. You can't, you know, can't try to power them the entire game. Um, you're going to have to try to mix it up. So, I think they're going to want to at least try to give him a chance. I mean, the thing is also last this past year, you know, we had Swiss come back at Holyfield who had been around for a while. We don't exactly have that.
1: That is a fair point. That is a fair point. I will say this, like you're talking about like you feel like we have to throw the ball more. I I don't disagree with you. I think we if you watch teams that are playing in these games in the playoffs and are being successful, they throw the ball. Okay. Now of course you have to be able to run the football as well, but you don't have to run the ball football sixty five to seventy percent of the time. And, but my thing is uh, – while I agree with you, Curtis, I think we need to – I'm not going to say 50-50. I would like to get it down to maybe like 60-40. Like, I would be happy with 60-40 right now because we haven't – or even like you know, somewhere in that range. But the problem is I don't know if Curry believes that. Do you really think he believes that? Do you think he's figured that out?
2: Um, I mean I, the way he went after a top-flight receiver at all – you know, what it, what he did to get pick I mean and he was going after everyone, trying to find some top receivers coming in. Um, he did do that. And I, think, and I think that you're seeing them put an emphasis on it too in this next class. I think they're seeing that it takes – that's what it's going to take to beat
1: the top teams. I hope you're right, man. I hope you're right. I just had this fear that Kirby – you know, getting a guy like George Pickens or whatnot, he wants a guy that can be a, a – because he talks about we want to we run the football and throw the ball vertically down the field to loosen the defense up. I, I'm just worried that like he wants – these receivers basically as just a weapon to keep so honest, so that we can continue to run the football as much as we have. And I'm a, I'm as big a fan of running the football as anybody. That's what we do. I want that is our identity. I get that. That's what we're good at. I understand that. But it doesn't mean we have to run, again don't have to run the football 65 to 70 percent of the time. Like it just that's just not what that means. And we can – like to me, you get away with that. I think you were kind of alluding to this. You get away with that against teams that you out talent, right? Yeah, like when you're playing Kentucky and you can, and you're out there even on the road in Lexington, we were just more, we're just better than them. We have more talent, of course. We can run the ball down their throat. When you're playing Missouri, we're just better. Yes, we can run the ball down your throat. When you're playing South Carolina, yes, we're just better. We can run the ball down your throat. But when you play demons like LSU and you have that comparable talent defensively than what we have, when you play demons like Alabama, you can't just do that. You can't. We've seen it. You can't just line up and run down their throat. You've got to be able to throw the football. And I, I'm with you. I hope to God that that realization is set in. It just might be for me. It might be one of those scenarios where I'll I believe when I see it. You know, um, and I, I'm hopeful. You're right. We're going after. We're going after some big time receivers. We're getting those big time receivers. Uh, Hopefully, we can get George Pickens on campus here. Um, but and we've got a new coordinator, so maybe all this, you know, it adds up to throwing the ball more. And, and with a new, with, a, with also with a veteran quarterback, maybe it adds up to throwing the ball more in 2019. I hope so, but. I don't know. I guess I'll believe when I see it, because hmm. I will say, we threw the ball a little bit more against Alabama, because they stopped our running game uh, it's in the second half. I don't know, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm kind of with you here. I think it'll be closer to, like, the 238. But like, I guess what I'm trying to get is, like, you don't think we're going to see much of a drop-off in our right numbers, do you? No. I don't. I mean, Swift's back, and it, I mean, it seems like he's a little banged up right now. There's some word leaking out, but uh, he'll, he, from what I understand, he'll be fine. Um, and then uh, Holyfield's going to be a loss, but, like, I think look if we can if we essentially replaced two stars in the NFL and only lost 20 yards rushing total in this year and still finished the top 20, I think we can replace Elijah Holyfield, right? Yeah. I mean, I just I think we can, and I love Holyfield, I love him, and don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying if we can replace only Michelle and Nick Chubb and not skip much of a beat, I think we can replace Holyfield and not miss much there either. So just leave there, but uh, I, I am I don't like the fact that we have all these injuries and. People being banged up, and I I do want to mention Walter Grant real quick. You know, we we talked about him last week, and he kind of moved over to running back at least temporarily to kind of take some reps. Um, and uh, I think it was clipping a good point out there. And like, and we, this is you know what we're saying is like with Walter Grant moving over there. What we talked about is like this is this kind of telling that he might potentially um, be losing some ground outside linebacker. If he, like he was if he was in our plans that much outside linebacker, why are we giving him any reps as a running back, right? Like, but it, 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 it's more about injuries than anything, is it not? It is. Especially, you know, obviously with James Cook not being 100%. Kirby's made that clear. It doesn't seem like Swiss 100%. So, like, you know, we have, like, two scholarships. I mean, really, like, one. I guess Herring's the only one that seems like he's completely healthy right now because Zeus isn't healthy. So you got to have some guys, somebody come over and take some reps in practice, of course. But I guess what my point with Walter Grant was I get that he's a guy that can come over there and take reps. And, and maybe I am reading too much into it, but my point was simply, again, I get with to have somebody over there to take some of these reps because we got some injuries. But why Walter Grant? If, if Walter Grant, I know he can do it, but if Walter Grant was as big a part of our defense coming to 2019, if he was as much in our plans as as some of these other guys, why would we take him from that position and have him go place and take just, I mean, essentially just take reps there? Because he's not going to play, and very unlikely he's going to actually play running back in a game. Uh, so I guess that was my point. I get there are some injuries, definitely, but I just think it doesn't speak too highly of our confidence in him moving forward as a major player, and outside linebacker. If we're taking him, out of that position during the spring, more or less, and having him play running back just for like a depth piece. So I don't know. We'll see how that plays out moving forward. Uh, all right. Next here, Kirby was asked about the opportunities for incoming freshmen who would not be arriving until the summer, and he responded with this:
0: That's very important. But I think the question is, who are they? Because you know some of the guys at that position. I always say, if you start at two years, you got to get better, you got to grow, you got to learn new plays. Maybe Coach Cully's doing, but at the end of the day. I know Charlie Warner has played a lot of football here. I know DeAndre Swift has played a lot of football here. So they're going to practice, they're going to play, they're going to get better, they're going to compete. But it's not like they're trying to prove something. Where there's a, lot, where, where a guy's got to prove something is a guy that's got somebody coming in and he's not proven. So he has to take advantage of it because we tell them in the fall, those reps when they become marginal are going to the new guy to find out what he can do. So you get plenty of opportunities if you're Matt Landers, Tommy Bush, Kier's Jackson, all those guys that are – it's the same way at DB.
1: So, I mean, those are some pretty pointed comments. It's one of the reasons I like listening to Kirby's press conferences. Uh, there's some coach talk here and there, but he's also pretty straight for law. He's sending messages, there's no doubt. Uh, but, Kurt, taking what he said there, which members of the 2019 class that are not currently on campus right now – the guys Kirby's talking about, guys that are coming in here in the summer – which members of that class that are not here right now have the best chance to make a move once they get here and get into fall camp and find themselves in the two deep entering the 2019 season?
2: Um, I think mean, you got to look at Dominic Blaylock.
1: Yeah, for sure. Because receiver right now, like, from what it sounds like, I mean, tell me if you disagree. Right now, because he keeps mentioning the same guys in every single press conference. Because receiver keeps getting asked about because it's, you know, we lost a lot of guys in that position. Um, but he keeps mentioning Jeremiah Holloman, and Tyler Simmons. Is, I mean, right? In every press conference, is he not? He is. And to me, what that says is those guys I have confidence in. Everybody else, mm, I'm not sure. Right? So that, to me, that says a guy like Ty, um, like you mentioned, Dominic Blaylock, certainly is going to have an opportunity. And, the, uh, and Dom, do you, do you think he fits more as a slot type guy? 100%. Right, I do too. So um, and one of the guys that he's kind of sending a message to throughout the media, uh, he's kind of – I don't want to say he's been like the – Richard account of last year, but he's kind of you know he's sent some. He's either I've heard from people that are able to watch. Situation is, but how confident are you right now that he actually shows up? Um,
2: right now you're hearing good things, so I mean that's at least a good sign.
1: Yeah, I'm hearing positive vibes coming. I mean, I think the, the coaches from to feel pretty good about it, but with a great situation that can change in a moment. Like you just don't know. Um, so keep my fingers crossed there. Knocking on wood. Uh, yeah, so I think the receiver position for sure. Uh, where else are you looking on our roster, maybe outside of receiver, where there might be somebody coming in this summer in the 2019 I mean, class. it's
2: really hard because the, a lot of positions are so deep already. I mean, maybe yeah. you look at the defensive line, potentially.
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. Even there, Who on the defensive line, though? Who coming in? I
2: think you and I agreed it was Tymon Mitchell.
1: I think Tyron Mitchell, absolutely, because we just don't have depth at, at the nose guard position. I think yeah. I, I think Mitchell can play a three technique, but I think he's I think he can also play a zero. We don't have any guys that can play zeros. So I think he's going to be a guy that can be a depth piece, not a starter, but a depth piece. And I'm not going to rule out. I'm not going to rule them out because he's incredibly gifted. Javon Walker. As an athlete, yeah, he's – That's very true. Yeah, look, I'm not, I'm not going to put the pressure on him and say I expect him to come in and be in the two deep right away. But as talented as that guy is, and I know for a fact that their coaches are very high on him right now, uh, and have been for a long time, um, but he's going to have an opportunity. Uh, But coming in the summer, mm, that that makes it tougher. Um, I mean, look, and all the DBs are already on campus, right? There's no other DB, right? I think they're all here. You got Stevenson, Scene, DJ Daniel, they're all here, right? So they're all getting reps right now. what about and the line lineback, Inside linebackers are all here. But pretty much the outside linebackers are pretty much here. Um, trying to think, offensive line wise. I mean, you've got Clay Webb who's already here. Um, I mean, really, I, I think Travon Walker's a guy to look out for. The receivers for sure. Also, I mean, we're we missing somebody here that that could push for playing time in year one. That's not on campus right now. Doesn't really feel like it. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I'm sure there's somebody that's just you know, just I'm. Goofing on here So if we are Definitely let us know And I'm sure we'll, As soon as we stop recording I'll be like Oh yeah We totally forgot about Blah 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 But I mean Off the top of my head Those are the guys I'm looking at what about, Okay Brett Cedar There you go Tied in No Really Even with uh... the death situation
2: well, you gotta remember. By the time he comes in, you'll have that wolf guy in.
1: But how how much like how much of an impact are we expecting him to make?
2: Well, I think that Cedars, the things to hold him back will be blocking.
1: Size, him this yeah, size for sure, for sure, for sure. And I, um, from what I've been told, John Fitzpatrick's actually put on some good weight, and like he's transformed his body. He looks a lot bigger and better than what he looked last year. And uh, from everything I've heard from the sources, the few sources I have uh, that that would be in the know of these situations. Um, Charlie Warner has had an outstanding spring, from what I understand. Have you heard that as well? Yes. I mean, I've heard Charlie has been really good, you know, blocking his tail off, making plays out there in the passing game. Um, so I, I, I feel good with what we have at the top, but I just, again, depth-wise and how we've – it comes back to the, the conversation with the offensive coordinator, like, what's going to be different with, with the new offensive coordinator? We don't know. Uh, will we use the tight ends as much? I will say Coley has – when he was calling plays for three years in Miami, he made great use of the tight ends. Um, so I think it's going to still be a key part of what we do offensively. But you're right. See, their size might keep him off the field as a true uh, you know, as a true tight end. I think he can come in maybe situationally. Um, but with the dead situation, I think he'll have a chance. I, don't, I mean, but you're right. The size, at least in year one, might keep him off the field. But uh, no, no, interesting there. All right, and finally, Kirby was also asked – and I like this question a lot. I meant to actually put this one higher in the show, but it's all good. We'll, it's a good one to close with. Crew was also asked whether he felt we have any, quote, difference makers along the defensive line, and he gave this evaluation. He said,
0: Difference makers. I, I think Tyler Clark's a difference maker when he, when he wants to be, when he's playing really hard and, and playing quick. Um, in a very unique way, Jordan Davis is a difference maker. I mean, he's, he's not explosive and quick, but he's a mountain of a man, and he's hard to move. And In the SEC, you need a guy like that. Um, are you saying an elite three-technique you know, guy that's quick and twitchy? We don't have that right now. No, we're certainly trying to recruit it.
1: So, Kurt, I'm just going to ask you the same question that was put to Kirby Smart. In your opinion, do we have any difference makers up front? And I, I guess I'm trying to limit this to the, three, the zero, three, and five techniques because I know sometimes you have the, the outside linebackers that do technically play on the defensive line at times and packages. But if you look at zero tech, five, uh, three tech, and five tech, do we have any difference makers up front on the defensive line?
2: Outside of the two Kirby Smart mentioned, no. What
1: well, do you think Tyler Clark is a difference maker?
2: I think he can be. I think that when he plays on top of his game like he did at the end of his sophomore year, he can. And this is literally his last chance to make any yes. any impact.
1: Yes, and you guys know that I'm big on Tyler Clark. I mean what he did in the two thousand seventeen season, like you said against uh, in the Rose Bowl against Oklahoma and in the national championship game, like he was he was extraordinarily difficult to block. I mean he was he was wreaking havoc. He absolutely was. But here's my, my, my thing with Tyler Clark. I agree with you that at times he plays like a difference maker. He has that – he's flashed that ability. But my question for you though, Kurt, is it if you if we're saying that he can be a difference maker and, and that he is sometimes – he's sometimes a difference maker. Are you really a difference maker if you're only a difference maker sometimes?
2: I mean, yeah, because we have guys that aren't a difference maker in
1: I guess, like, um, yeah. I mean, I, I see what you're saying. I, for me, though, I'm, when, I, when I think of the word difference maker, I think a guy that dominates every single game, and that's not that has not been Tyler Clark. He's been dominant at times in in isolated games, but he has not been a dominant player, game in a game out, has he? No, I'm, I'm, yeah. I
2: don't argue with
1: you. Yeah. About that. So, I mean, I guess it, it. It all it's semantics. It all comes down to how you define difference maker. But I agree with you. He can be a difference maker. So you do you think he will be that guy more more consistently this year as a senior when you said like it's his money year?
2: Yeah, I would think so. I mean, he doesn't have the opportunity to take plays off of things like that anymore.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, and from what I've been told he's he started off a little slow in the spring, but has really kind of kicked into high gear and has really made a difference here. Uh and Jordan Davis, do you think Jordan like Jordan Davis is not quick and twitchy, but is he a difference maker? He's not a guy who can go get you sacks and a bunch of tackles for loss. He is but because
2: teams have the game plan for him
1: yeah. now. Well, he just he completes our defense. And um, like think about what we think about our defense and what we we're getting up on the ground before he was inserted in the starting lineup last year, and what we were able to do afterwards. I mean, that's case in point right there. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I need to go crunch them. I'll do that for another show later on in the off season. But uh, I mean, he very clearly, if you watch the games, made a significant difference to our defensive front and our rush defense when he was inserted as a regular into our starting lineup. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think Davis is a difference maker, maybe in a different way because the nose guard, your responsibilities are different than what it is from a three-tech guy. You're not necessarily like a disruptive type guy. You're in there and it's just kind of stout and, um, and anchoring there in the middle. Um, but outside of that, Clark and Davis, you don't think we have anybody that could potentially fill that role, fill that void? I mean –
2: If you were talking about Tyler Clark only doing half the time, then I can't really say anyone else.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Julian – I know we were hard on Julian coming in last year. I thought he had a big year for himself. I thought he had a much better year, but he wasn't a difference maker, was he? No. I don't think he was a difference maker. What about a guy like Malik Herring? Now, he has played sparingly. He came on late last year. Does he have the potential to grow into that this year, maybe next year? I think he does. Yeah, he's a guy that – I mean, it's kind of like Tyler Clark. He's been – Sometimes he doesn't show up at all. Like, is he out there? And then sometimes he just he shows that he has the potential to be dominant. Um, so he's just. I think it's consistency. And he's a little younger. He's going to be in his junior season, his third year. So really, his first significant playing time, especially uh, the second half of last season. But I think he's a guy that has the like we talked about a little bit of pass rush to him at that five technique, which was which is kind of something we've been missing from that position. Leber was a very good five tech, a great five tech. But I think that Herring has a little more of a pass rush, a little more explosiveness than what Led brought to the table there. Maybe not quite as strong and stout as lead, but still good enough in that realm, not too much of a drop-off. I think he has that potential. He's got to want it, he's got to work and continue to grind. I think he could potentially grow into that. Um, and a guy we mentioned in the last uh, little segment here, and I know it's hard to put this on him because he hasn't taken a snap at the college level, but can Travon Walker be a difference maker?
2: athletically yes but i mean he's got a lot to learn technique wise yeah. and things like that
1: i think it's too much to expect him to be a difference maker in year one yeah yeah but year two i mean i could see it you know, i want to see i want to see him actually play at the college level but what i've seen of him to this point in his prep career i think he has that potential um you gotta go you gotta and he's a hard worker you know and you have all those traits you put that along with the talent and he, he should be able to be a difference maker but as Kirby's saying like we're recruiting it we're trying we're trying to find it maybe Travon walker can be that guy but uh We'll see how it all plays out. But all right, guys, that does it for us here today with our week three spring practice report. We definitely appreciate all you guys taking time out of your day to listen in and support us. We can't thank you guys enough. If if you're not subscribed to the show, please go ahead and give us uh, a chance there. It's like $2 a month. give you access to everything we put out there throughout the off season season all that good stuff but uh we do appreciate everyone that's already subscribed you guys are awesome we'll be back next week um got another series uh, in the, uh dude by the way number two in baseball all right another series win Final weapon number two in the on the national rings that we'll have the uh conclusion of the regular season in both the men's and women's tennis we'll have that to talk about next week a little bit as well so check back in guys we'll have all that covered for you guys and of course we got street talked about, and that's not going anywhere but uh thanks for listening for curtis i'm tyler and as always go dawgs